We are wired for worship. You know, when God was creating you, deep in your DNA, he created a desire to worship. You know, and through this series, we've looked at different things. We've looked at how worship uh, marks us. It, It changes us. I mean, you can't sing a song like we've sang this morning and and not mark you, change you, you know. And uh, we talked about how in worship that, you know, how do we do that when the storms of life hit and uh, things kind of come undone? And we've looked at how to break out of uh, kind of that spiritual stagnation that hits once in a while, that worship ignites us. It reminds us who we are, and it reminds me and you who we belong to. We've talked about that worship restores us, and last week looked at a few ways that, that we can worship. And um, today what I want to talk about is our whole life being an act of worship. Now, I want to ask you a question. What do you treasure? Because every single one of us, every life, gets wrapped around whatever we treasure, Whatever that is, uh, Matthew uh, 6, Jesus said this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, what? There your heart will be also. Whatever... Your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, it's where your heart's at. We have a bent to treasure things. You know, Jesus says, all of us treasure something. In other words, it's not a question if you're going to treasure. The question, and this is key, what are you going to treasure? What are you going to treasure? You know, our our treasures are are things that we assign great value to, things that we think about often, things that we hold dear, that that we guard, that that we prize. Those things that we treasure, we rearrange our entire lives around trying to obtain them and keep them. Everyone has a treasure. And the question is, what do you treasure? What do you treasure in your life? I mean, when it, when it comes to someone's treasure, when you're dealing with someone's treasure, I believe you are at the core of their soul. Treasure is something that, you know, treasuring it, it, it we start at a very early age, don't we? Treasuring things. You know, a while back I was working at my computer and the grandkids had invaded for the weekend and... Uh, they were in the next room, the three oldest were in the next room, and they were playing. And uh, it got real quiet, which I get a little concerned when the grandkids get quiet. And two of the kids come racing in my office. And Isabella, she's, she's six. She's kind of the spokesperson usually. And uh, she walks in, and she goes, ta-da! I'm like, okay. And then she handed me a very little plastic pirate's treasure chest. She goes, open it. Open it. It's for you. 
And so I opened it, you know. And while I'm opening, I'm like, is it my birthday? Is it Christmas? And she goes, oh, Grandpa, which means, Grandpa, you're stupid. Come on, get with it. I opened it up, and, and there was a plastic coin in there. Then Dason, he's three, he holds out his box, and he goes, Ta-da! I open it up. It's got a plastic snake in it. He goes, it scared you, didn't it, Grandpa? Then they race out of the room. A few minutes later, they're back, new gifts in hand. And no kidding, in the span of about 10 minutes, I got several plastic bugs. I got a potato head nose. I got one shoe, not two, one. Empty gum wrappers, tissues, a lot of really silly stuff. And uh, each time they would bring the gift in, it was kind of like this formal presentation. And, And the whole time that those two were running back and forth, Ethan, he's five, he's kind of watching from the other room. He's not participating. And then I noticed he was gone for a few minutes. Now, Dason had just come in, and he presented me this gift, and he goes, Grandpa, this is really cool. Open it, Grandpa. Open it. So I open it up. It's empty. And he starts laughing. And so I reached in, and I go, oh, it's my favorite. I always wanted this. And then I started to act like I was putting on cologne. I'm like, mmm, that smells so good. It's wonderful, Dason. He goes, can I have some? Yeah. (laughs) About that time, Ethan comes in, and he's carrying a box. And it was almost like he was presenting it to a king. And he says, here, Grandpa. Now, he handed me this large box, so... I am fully expecting something really silly at this point. And I open the box up, and in the bottom, there's this little trinket down there. It was a little trinket that I had bought out of a gum machine several months before and had given to him, about the size of a marble. It was kind of a cross between like a Martian and a troll doll, okay? So it's this little, little thing. But friends, this wasn't any trinket. It was Mookie. The fact that we named it should tell you something, right? Ethan prized Mookie. I mean, he carried him around in his pocket for months. He would sleep with him. He took him to school several times. He would play with him. He would talk to him. He got lost a couple times, and he had to call me one time and let me know that he had found Mookie. And Ethan never talks to me on the phone, usually. It's interesting, the other two grandkids are kind of taking this all in. And they seem to know that the game had just taken a weird turn. Because Isabella's like, Grandpa, that's Mookie. That's Ethan's favorite. Little Dason's like, yeah, Grandpa! And so... I'm like, Ethan, this is wonderful. Thank you. And he's just beaming. Then I tried to give him back to him. He says, no, Grandpa. I'm really giving him to you. 
And so we talked for a while. And I said, well, Ethan, could you do Grandpa a favor? Whatever, Grandpa, whatever you want. Would you take care of Mookie for Grandpa? And he agreed that he would take care of him. And friends, for weeks, I got regular reports on Mookie. He would go, I'm taking really good care of him, Grandpa. That was a treasure moment for me. Now, since then, Ethan has found other treasures. But for a moment, just a moment in time, a five-year-old said, this is the best I've got. It's my treasure. I love it. And, Grandpa, it's yours. You know, Peter said in Acts 3, he said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. Friends, you have a treasure chest, a little treasure chest. And you get to decide what you're going to put in that treasure chest. Again, the question is, what are you going to treasure? You have your little box. Maybe inside that box, maybe, maybe there's a house, maybe there's a car, maybe there's jewelry, maybe it's a reputation. Maybe it's a grades. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's beauty. But friends, there is something in there. It may be expensive, or it may have very little value to other people. But to you, it's huge. But make no mistake about it. You have your own box. And Jesus is saying, be careful. Be careful what you put in the box. Because wherever your treasure is, whatever's in that box, that's where your heart's going to be. And that treasure, it will shape you. It will change you. The psalmist uh, says, as he's talking about treasures and, and idols, he says, their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their own throat. Now, Somnus is going to get really pointed. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. The Bible says you become like whatever it is that you worship. Whatever it is you worship in your life, you're going to become like that. You know, in other words, your worship will define your values. It will define why you're worshiping. I mean, it will define you, whatever it is. That's why worship's so important. That's why we've spent this time talking about it. Because worship declares your priorities. Look at what you worship and it tells you what has first place in your life. You are shaped by what you worship. It shapes you. It changes you. You know, if you, if you worship money, for instance, you'll be shaped by a thing called greed. If you worship power, you'll be shaped by arrogance. If you worship comfort, you'll be shaped by apathy. If you worship approval, you'll become a chameleon in life. 
You worship achievements, you will become a user of people. And Jesus says, be careful. Be careful what you treasure. Be careful what you put in the box. Why? Because it shapes your heart. It shapes you. Jesus was asked one time, and he was asked the greatest commandment. Jesus replied and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, he followed on the heels of that and said, love your neighbor. But he says, that, that's the big one there. You know, it's one of the, the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other God before me. That which you assign the ultimate value, that which you treasure above everything else, the, the focus on that object, whatever that object is, is what the Bible calls worship. The word worship, it's... Uh, comes from the Old English. It's roughly pronounced worth-ship. It means you assign worth to something. You assign value to something. You put a price tag on it. Friends, when you worship and you stand before God and you say, you are of ultimate value. You are of ultimate value in this universe. You are of ultimate value in my life. You are of ultimate value in my heart. God, here is my little box. It's yours. Open it up. It may not look like much, but God, it's the best. The best I've got. It's my treasure. Friends, worship is so important, but we got this problem. And here's the problem, I think. It is easy to claim to treasure God. It's really easy to do that, but in reality, we, in our lives, in our heart, we're devoted to another God. It's really easy. I mean, it is possible for you and me to, to come here and to say, you know what, everything I have, everything I can do, everything I am, I give to you. And it's a common theme in Scripture. Isaiah, God says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Friends, this is core to worship. Worship is a way of life. The question you, you have to answer is, do you know what you really worship? Do you know what you worship? And I'm going to help you with this a little bit because it comes down to one word, and that's called sacrifice. You know, whatever we treasure, we serve and we sacrifice for it. You know, if you, if you treasure to have a, a certain kind of body, you sacrifice for it. You know, if you treasure having a certain level of achievement in your life, you will sacrifice for it. If you worship having a, a certain amount of money or a certain amount of security in your life, you will sacrifice for it. Whatever we treasure, friends, we sacrifice for you know, whatever we treasure, we serve, we think about, we work, we pay for it, we dream about it. And that which we treasure, 
we devote ourselves to regardless of the cost, the inconvenience, or the effort. We don't even blink. You can tell what someone's devoted to by their actions. Not their words, their actions. You proclaim whatever it is that you treasure by your actions in life. Proclamation is more than words, isn't it? It's not just lip service. You treasure your treasures. Your treasures in life is that which you are willing to sacrifice everything for in order to cling to it. Your treasures, that which you are willing to constantly make sacrifices for on a daily basis, sacrifice, see it's a language of love, whatever you give your heart to, you will sacrifice everything for. And it's a serious question. What? What is it you sacrifice for? Be honest with yourself. What is it? What do you sacrifice for? You know, I watched a, a guy, this is years ago, and I've seen it a, several times since, but a guy claimed to be a Christian. And the truth is, he was consumed with the desire for achievement and success in his life. In fact, I watched him sacrifice everything for that. I watched him sacrifice his marriage. His wife would tell him in a thousand different ways how it was destroying her and nothing changed. You know, I watched this guy sacrifice his kids. And although you talk to him, he'd say, oh, my kids mean everything to me. Well, friends, his life said something very, very different. You know, I'd watch him make promises to his kids and then very casually break those promises. And then he'd try and buy them off by getting them things. But here's the brutal truth. This guy placed his wife, he placed his kids on an altar, and he sacrificed them to the true God in his life, and that was success. And I've watched it over and over and over. I mean, so many times we have similar stories. You know, a person claims to be a Christian, but, but in fact, we worship a thing called approval. We long to be thought well of. We long to impress other people. And friends, that kind of person, they will sacrifice their own opinions. They'll sacrifice their own integrity just to manage people's impressions of them. They'll sacrifice their freedom to say what they really think And ultimately, friends, they offer themselves up on the altar to be highly regarded. You know, you may may worship comfort in in your life. I see this a lot with people across this country. I mean, people doing it all the time. You know, and I got to tell you, comfort, not much of a God. Not much. And, And you may be thinking, well, you know, I'm not really sacrificing anything here. But you are. You are sacrificing. You're, you're sacrificing your growth. You're, you're sacrificing the, the, the exhilaration of taking risks. You're sacrificing experiences in your life. You're sacrificing your faith. You're sacrificing your generosity. You're sacrificing your passion. 
Friends, you have placed on the altar what could have been your life. You've traded it for comfort. Comfort. And friends, we are all, all of us, we are tempted. We are tempted to treasure something besides God. I mean, it may be sex, it may be a relationship, it may be your children, it may be a place, it may be things, it may be your physical appearance, but let's be clear that we do sacrifice, and it may be more than one thing. You maybe have a bunch of things up on that altar, but the Bible says worship, worship. It's only for God. Treasure God above everything else. Come with that little box, whatever's in it, and say, here it is, God. It's the best I have. And it's yours. You know, we talked last week about ways of worshiping. We talked about singing and, and, and clapping and raising our hands. And we talked about that could happen corporately as we did this morning or privately. You know, offering God a sacrifice of, of praise. You know, the Hebrew writer says, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of the lips that gives thanks to his name. Worship is a sacrifice of praise. But worship is bigger than that because it's a sacrifice of life. God wants that more than anything. You know, God wants you to come before him with that little box that you call your life and say, God, this is my life. Every moment in time, everything that I do, everything that that I am about is a sacrifice my whole life. God, let it be worship. Let it be worship. Sacrifice. I mean, Old Testament uh, sacrifice was an actual act of worship, you know, that people kind of engaged in. They, they would bring things and sacrifice them on the altar. You know, they would set fire to them and burn sacrifices. And, and in a way, it was to express to God to say, God, I want you to be consumed by you. You know, I want to be consumed by you. They would bring guilt offerings sin offerings and say, God, I need you. I need you to forgive me. And they would sacrifice things, all acts of worship. Then Jesus comes along and says, I'll be the ultimate sacrifice. I'll satisfy all that stuff. It won't need to happen anymore. And he gave his life up. Then Paul comes along and he says, I'm going to apply sacrifice to your life, speaking to us. One of my favorite scriptures, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of Jesus Christ, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is what? Your spiritual worship. He says, present. I want you to present your body. I mean, this is a technical term in the Old Testament. You know, it's to place an object on the altar 
to be sacrificed. And once you placed it on the altar, it didn't come off. Because it wasn't yours anymore. You'd given it to God. It belongs to God. It's in God's hands and it's out of your hands. And Paul says, I want that to happen in your life. I want you to place yourself on the altar and I want you to be a sacrifice that's living. I mean, it's an odd phrase. Living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Old Testament, the sacrifice was dead. Put it on the altar, it just laid there. But could you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen if a sacrifice was alive? Sacrifice knows what's coming. Sacrifice is tempted to get down off the altar. Paul says, you know what? I want you to sacrifice your life. And I want you to do it again and again and again and again. I want you to get up every morning and say, okay, God, I I place my will on the altar. I place my struggle with sin on the altar. I place my possessions on the altar. I place my desires on the altar. I place my relationships and my work and everything that I am. God, I put them on the altar. And it's not mine anymore. In fact, God, I regard everything in my life as a living sacrifice. I put it on your altar, and I'm going to live accordingly. And here's my question. Do you do that? Paul says, this is your spiritual worship. And he's very specific here. The, the Greek, uh, latrino, um, it, it means to worship, to serve. You know, they're kind of uh, connected. You know, his, his point is it, there's an intrinsic uh, connection between worshiping and serving. How we worship in life and how we serve in life. That which we truly worship in our heart is that which we serve with our entire being. Do you sacrifice for God? I mean, do you really? You know, I want to real quick just do a little assessment in a few areas, but we really should look at being living sacrifices in every area. Of, of your life and mine. But sometimes these are little sacrifices. Sometimes they're big. Sometimes they're, they're painful. But they're sacrifices. It's a sacrifice every moment of every day. It's a sacrifice in every single area of our lives. It's a sacrifice that we put on the altar before God, our life. How about your relational life? You know, is it a sacrifice? The people in your life, the people you live with, people you work with, people you love, people that you don't love so much, people you walk past in the store, people that that wait for you and take care of you at a restaurant, the people that cut you off on your way to church this morning and got here before you. People that interrupt you. 
The people that press your buttons. Friends, when you set your relational life on the altar, is it a living sacrifice? I mean, what does a living sacrifice look like in our relational life? Well, it's a life that sacrifices and puts other people first. It's a life that sacrifices and gives up um, getting my own way all the time. You know, Romans says this, Paul, he says, if it is possible as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Most of the time when we hear this verse, we think about, I know, if I get in a fight with someone, I need to go make it right if I can. Paul's definitely saying that. Friends, I think it's bigger than that. I think it's a lot bigger than that. I think Paul is saying, as you assess everyone that you come in contact with in life, did you do all you could to extend peace to them? Uh, Did you give it your best effort? Did you reach out? How many of you have ever been talking to someone and they're talking away and you realize you have no idea what they're saying because you're not listening? You may be sitting next to them right now. Now, it, all, it happens to all of us from time to time. But sometimes it can get to be a way of life. It's a way to discount people. See, a living sacrifice, relationally, engages people. It really listens to them. It cares about what's going on in their life. It notices when someone's hurting. It extends forgiveness to others. It gives a benefit of the doubt. It loves even when it costs... What's your relational life look like? A train wreck? Or worship? How about vocationally? You know, are you a living sacrifice at work? You know, are you handling things at work in a a God-honoring way? You know, Colossians says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men or for people. What's a living sacrifice at work look like? Well, living sacrifice at work um, doesn't cut corners. Doesn't cut corners even if everybody else is cutting corners. Even if it means you're going to lose money. Even if it costs you. A living sacrifice is always honest. Even if it means you can't close the deal. A living sacrifice never uses people. In fact, it puts a premium on people. Treats other people with respect. A living sacrifice looks into the eyes of a boss or an employee or a co-worker 
and see someone that matters to God. A living sacrifice throws out that who cares mentality and kicks it to the curb. A living sacrifice does the best job possible each and every time, even if everybody else is sloughing off. And my question is, are you a living sacrifice at work? Not sure? Ask the people you work with. It's got some other implications because sometimes people go, huh, that's why I'm not a Christian. But are you a living sacrifice at work? How about your financial life? You know, let's put this one out there. Do do you honor God with how you handle your finances? Do you honor God with what you give to God? You know, this is a stewardship issue. You know, if people looked at how you handle things, what would they say? What would they think? You know, I've said this before. You know, if you uh, were to give me your checkbook and your bank statements and your receipts... Seriously, give me 10 minutes with them, and I will rapidly tell you what's important to you. I'll tell you where your priorities are. I'll tell you where your struggles are, and I'll tell you where God ranks in your life. And I will also tell you how important your faith is to you. Something we do every week, part of our worship. You know, we give God the the offering, the the tithe, the important part of worship. Sometimes I think we, we think it's just, uh, you know, kind of, okay, get that over with. But it's, it's part of, of giving back to God. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your produce. In other words, give, give God back that, that first part, that, that, that tenth. It's a reminder of what God has, has given us, what we have earned, what we have been able to, to put together. And it's to come to God and say, you know what? It all belongs to you. I know that. Here's my box. Here's my treasures. Take it. It's yours. What's in your box? What's in that box that you give God? Play money? Empty? Or your treasures? What I have, I give to you. What does your financial life say? Worship? Living sacrifice? Or something else? Are you a good steward with what God has entrusted to you, however big or small that is? Now, I don't have time to go through every area of our life, but what I want you to get track with me here is you need to look at every area of your life and ask the same kind of questions you know sacrifice or something else you know take a look at your uh, recreation life you know take a look at your thought life take a look at your sex life take a look at how you take care of yourself physically you know it is all worship all of it everything You're sitting there going, well, what about, yes, that too, okay? It's all of it. It's everything. You know, Paul uh, 
He writes this near the end of his life. He says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. He's talking about that altar here. He's pouring himself out. And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. If you read that that book, Paul is pouring himself out. He's talking about what faith, what his faith has cost him in his life. And he recounts pieces of it. That he's been beaten, you know, with rods. He has had lashes all over his body. He has had rocks thrown at him. And don't think little rocks. We're talking deadly rocks. In fact, he almost died a couple times. He's been in prison unjustly. He's been shipwrecked. He went without many, many times. And Paul, as he's looking at his life, He says, it's a sacrifice. I have been put on the altar. I have poured out. That sacrifice is poured out here. It's a drink offering. I have endured it. I have made it. I have kept the faith. Friends, sacrifice in language of love. Paul got to the end of his life. And I picture Paul with a box saying, you know what, God? Not much left in here. Sacrificed it all. That's the best I got. And God, such as I have, I give it to you. Friends, that's an offering. It's pleasing to God. Living sacrifice. Worship. It all flows back to worship. We are wired for worship. We're going to worship something. What is it? I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual worship? Live it. Why? Why should we do that? Because of God's mercies. Because of God's mercies, he sent Jesus Christ to this world. Because of God's mercies, Jesus gave up everything for us. He gave up a normal life. He gave up his reputation. He gave up the approval of religious leaders. He gave up his life, ultimately, on the cross. And in a real way, Jesus was saying to you and me, this is the best I have. Take it, it's yours. Such as I have, I give to you. Friends, choose carefully. Choose carefully what you put in the box. Choose carefully what you treasure. Because it's about love. And it's about sacrifice. It's all. It's all about worship.
I'd encourage you, when you leave this place, you're leaving this worship service, but you're just starting worship with what you say, what you do, how you interact, and how you live. Worship. God, we praise you. And God, we lay it all on your altar. And God, I pray we would pour it out. In those times when there's don't think there's any more, we pour it out again. Those times when I'm challenged, God, give me the strength to pour it out again. Those times when I stumble, God, I praise you that you're always there to pick me up. God, I pray as we leave this place that we'd realize the worship just begins. Help us to live every moment of every day as an act of worship. God, we praise you. We give you the glory. And we worship you this morning. Amen.